0: Hello and welcome back to our new season of Talking Nears. After being off the air for so long with the cancellation of the season, we're excited to be back and talking
1: about RPI hockey once again. I'm one of your returning hosts, Steven Zenick. I'm Alex Brodsky, returning for another season of Talking Nears and a, another season of Engineers hockey. And all I got to say is it's good to be back. We are also joined by our friend Ben,
0: who will be joining Talking Nears this season as our third host. Before we welcome Coach Smith back to the show, Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and to coach and talk about your background and interest in sports? Hi everyone, I'm Ben Hallett. I'm a
2: sophomore and I'm studying bio, uh, medical engineering here at RPI. I've been big into music and sports my whole life. My dad played uh, college football at UMO and I got to see some of his highlights from back in the day. And that was a big thing I loved to watch uh, in high school. It really encouraged me to do well and continue sports. I joined the Red Army through a couple of my friends that did this year, and I'm really excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you, Ben. Now that you've met our new host, it's my pleasure to welcome back head coach of the Engineers, Dave Smith. Coach, it's great to see you again. It's been almost a year since we last recorded in November. What was your year like, and how excited are you to play your first game on Saturday when you face off against Union?
3: Well, it's great to be back it's great to have you guys here doing a podcast talking about engineers hockey and um, equally as great maybe greater than seeing you guys again is the fact that we're practicing and approaching your game as much as you guys are awesome that uh, (laughs) it's better to practice and play Um, I I, you know a lot has happened since March 2020 since our last podcast in November Um, really it's been about chemistry it's about recruiting developing relationships and preparing for you know the unknown and that's what was the hardest part is really not knowing when we were coming back how we were going to come back what are the rules when we come back and much like society it it feels at times like it's hour to hour the decisions and the planning Um, but we have a schedule we have a practice plan and we're ready to hit the ice it's good to hear (laughs) um Families, all right. You're doing all right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, family. I I probably should have talked about that first <laughs> <laughs> our pillars. But uh, you know, my wife is a professor here. I mm-hmm. don't know if any of you guys have ever had a class with her. Yep. She's in the in the Haas or the CogSci department. And um, she's phenomenal. And it's actually her birthday today. Let's we'll so kick that off with a birthday oh, shout out to nice yeah. Dr. Yeah, Dr. Tell Susan her we Smith. wish her happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, my two daughters one has moved out to washington state started an occupational therapy career and my other has started her uh, her phd um in uh, applied behavior at columbia so that's a those are good things
1: very good things. awesome all, all things considered very good news yeah um all right so on, one more thing before we really get into it today i'd like to give a quick shout out to our women's team who already started their season they won their first exhibition game against Syracuse with Julio Blitz scoring an exhilarating game-winning goal with under two minutes left. Unfortunately, though, they, they lost their two first uh, regular season games in a very close bout with Mercyhurst, the first one going into overtime even. And a big stick tap to Amanda Rapato for getting the first ECAC goalie of the week.
3: That was great to watch them, uh, yeah. to, to see them grow and develop um, the time they've been here this year and last year it's uh it's nice to watch the hard work that the girls put in and and their play they played very well. Mm -hmm. So coach this is the last season of your initial contract
2: is there any news of an extension of it from RPI considering that a season was lost
3: due to COVID? So we've had discussions with, with Dr. McElroy who's my you know he's the athletic director and um, you know, I think RPI has communicated to me they like like what we've done, and uh, Dr. McRory in particular is, has has said those things. In, in addition to to some others, um, but we also have to be aware of what's going on in the world in our on our campus. And um, you know, I, I do have this year left currently, and um, I don't uh, I don't know what their timeline is, but I'm going to do what I can do, and that's to be to be good today.
2: Yeah, I hear you. So, how has your time working as a coach for this team for the past years been? For the past four years? Past
3: four years. Yeah. You know what? I, I have actually really, really enjoyed it, even though going through the first year in particular was very challenging with only six wins. And, you know, people, I think, expected a new coach to come in and, hey, we should win right away. and. I think we had to get some things in order, and and now that I look back on the first two years where we had 16 wins total, and then the third year where things came together nicely in our culture and our chemistry, and um, most importantly, the guys on the team, I'm really um, really proud of the type of people we have. Our GPA from day one is up to, you know, from a 2.7-ish to a 3.6. Um, Our guys, you know, go to class. I think they're excellent citizens on campus. And um, so I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed uh, being here. And, um, you know, there's there's some longstanding traditions with RPI hockey, none better than getting to Lake Placid and competing for ECAC titles. Mm -hmm. We haven't done that yet in my time, and I'd like to do that. Yeah,
2: unfortunately, I'm a sophomore, and I don't know much about this program, Mm -hmm. but I'm really excited to see it. The next couple years
3: yeah i think there's a lot of people on campus uh yeah. right the, all the freshmen the freshmores as we've called them yeah, <laughs> the yeah. yeah. sort of freshman sophomore mix but um and anyway, we had it rolling and it's so much fun uh to think about the march 2019 2020 season um and we can get back to, to that mix again it's a special special environment here in the field house and our team was uh it felt unbeatable at that time but um you know, obviously, there's other teams that have some things to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I I, I can talk a bit a bit about the the past four years because I um I'm a master's student now, and so I've seen the the team really grown. I'm sure Stephen can talk about it too over those those past four teams. The the team's kind of really changed, and the arc. I'm I'm all in favor of it, and been been good to, to see how the team developed
3: you engineering guys talking about arcs and stuff <laughs> with hockey i know <laughs> what you mean but no that, that we appreciate it uh, Thank yeah you.
0: we hope you're around for longer and we'll start seeing many of those goals accomplished anyway. yeah
3: thank you
1: all right so uh this this coming weekend will be the first time rpi hockey will suit up in uh, 584 days actually since our last game which was a 4-1 win at dartmouth um and since then, a lot has changed around ECAC and the NCAA. So Quinnipiac, coming off a first place finish, is now ranked number one in the coaches' poll for this season. And also in the time off from COVID, Dartmouth contracted a new head coach, Reed Cashman, who, although he's been with their program for over a year, has yet to coach a regular season game, which is a, a bit interesting. And then um, one last change is the new NIL rules, making player endorsements now possible. So. With all that being said um, the engineers have also seen a quite a few changes since we last played the team has lost eight players to the transfer portal and gained five transfers was it tough to lose those eight players
3: yeah i mean um, all were eligible to come back some even before covid canceled our season we had spoken with some of them that we were going to help them move on to another spot and then. Um, but to have, I mean, our season ended officially on a Thursday, and I think they had to be, or maybe a Wednesday, and they had to be out on a Thursday or Friday. The, the proper goodbyes weren't weren't had. And um, other guys that transferred, uh, I'm happy that they found places that they were comfortable with. Disappointing, because to a man, they all said they didn't want to leave. But mm-hmm. they, they, they felt they had to for their professional aspirations as a hockey player. And while disappointing, at least we understand it. And um, the guys we've added, I think are excited about the opportunity of, of what can be here at the Fieldhouse.
1: Yeah, so how important are those new five new transfers, and do you feel that they'll help fill the holes that outgoing players left behind?
3: Yeah, our our goal with the transfers was to gain some experience. Um, we talked about the Freshmore's, and I think we had uh, um, nine or 11. Again, I probably should know off the top of my head. <laughs> numbers confuse me at times, but two brand-new to RPI freshmen that have never played hockey before, or uh, college hockey, and Jack Watson and Reed Leibold. And then I think it's nine sophomores that were sort of here, sort of not here, similar to Ben, your experience, and that they're mm-hmm. sophomores, but they they haven't really practiced or played with us. The new guys, whether it be Jake Lee, um, T.J. Walsh, Baxter, um, Seller has been here for a year and a half, or Justin Adamo, um, they're really important because they've got games played. They've experienced college hockey, and um, we're actually not young. We're just new together, and we've got a bigger roster, and it's going to be a challenge because our young guys are, are very talented and very ready to experience college hockey. And we have to balance that with, um, you know, putting the best lineup out there every night. So that that's going to be the biggest challenge of the year. But those new guys definitely will help.
0: Yeah, I, I know. I'm particularly excited for some of the new transfers. Uh, they all have different skill sets and add a lot to the team uh, from what I've done, and I can't wait to see them in the cherry and white on the ice. So with this uh, season off,
2: pretty much, because of COVID, there really wasn't a g- games or coaching to be done. Did
3: um, did this allow you to spend more time scouting and recruiting? Well, um, RPI had instituted a, a non-travel policy, and college hockey in general made a dead period from i'm going to say maybe may around may or june of 20 to june one of june 1st of 2021 so off-campus recruiting wasn't happening um but we we did really two types of video watching we watched college and pro hockey to see what we could take away from what other teams are doing. We had a very detailed plan that that broke down hundreds of games. Um, And then we watched a lot of prospects on video and and you break down their games and you you make clips and um, it was very active. Um, And video recruiting can be dangerous, but during a pandemic, it was very beneficial. And now we're out there watching a lot of the players we were tracking on video or had tracked live or on video prior to March 20. I'm glad we could have a
2: positive spin to these uncircum- um, yeah, on, uh, unwanted circumstances.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it's uh, well nobody, nobody wants to do all the things we're doing, right? Like mm-hmm. a- and I think it, it, it's probably some of these things are okay. Like it's not a bad thing to wash our hands more often, <laughs> right? We can tolerate masks. Um, there's a lot of things that we can, we can do, especially when we know that we can play in practice as a hockey team right no different than in-person classes as we mentioned my wife is a professor and you know the online there's a time and a place for it and it's just not as beneficial when you can look somebody in the eye and and see them in your classroom or you know on the ice so uh, it's not that hard to to put a positive spin when you really get down to um what are the brass tacks what are the important things that are uh, that each person and and team need Mm -hmm. so because of COVID again. It's an overlying
2: topic of this uh, podcast, unfortunately. But um, the NCAA introduced extended eligibility. It seems like it would be handled on a case by case basis per player. Is that still going to be how you and the staff handle it for the players? Or are you allowing every player on the roster to
3: use it since the team missed a whole season? So the NCAA has given a blanket waiver that Every person that was in college athletics, the COVID year is a free year. So it doesn't matter what I say or what anybody says, any coach says, that every athlete gets a bonus year. Um, Now, that bonus year, it's up to the relationship between the player and the coach, whether or not they come back to this team or they could transfer, right? Or they could just finish playing. And we're seeing all sorts of those things happen around around the country and some guys say hey four years is a long time at this place i want to play my fifth year somewhere else some say hey i I like it so much i want to stay for my fifth year some coaches are saying we need to move on and 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 build with our young guys coming in so all of those things we talk with our guys about and and know that it they're all in if they're here and then you know the future is decided when uh, when the time is right so, on that topic, this
0: season, you have two fifth-year players returning and taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility that was given to all players. Was it big for the team and program convincing Lyndon Marshall and Shane Seller to return for that extra season? And how important are they to the culture and team?
3: Yeah, that, that type of experience is really important. And, and we can also add Anthony Baxter in that mix because he, he finished four years at Lowell and, and is here doing his master's. So, um They've been they've been around the block. They know, especially Lyndon. Lyndon has been with me here since day one. Um, he's critical to, um, to to really knowing how the program operates, which is so important. And um, you know, Shane Sellers now been here two years, or um, going on his second year. Um, and Anthony is. They all have different experiences. Um, well, Lyndon's experiences have been here, but the other two guys, we, we want to take their good experiences and add our secret ingredients to to them, and hopefully the mix comes out great. So
2: the player Dubinsky had a big year in the USHL. Putting up a point-per-game numbers, previous players that have done so in this league have gotten onto the radar of some NHL teams. Do you think that after this great season playing in the USHL, he could have also gotten onto the radar of some of these teams?
3: Well, I think... think, um you know, in terms of production, he surprised some people, not us, not the people here at RPI, because um, and we got a few guys like him, like Simon Shelberg, who is already drafted. Both of those players we felt were underutilized in junior hockey. And, uh, you know, Chuck Weber and at the time Coach Mosier and now Coach, Coach Lang um, identified their skill set, their character, as things that we believed in. And both came in, uh, not just Zach, but Simon as well, and overachieved, doing the finger quotes, overachieved by other people's standards. Um, we've always believed that Zach has offensive potential. Um, I think we have to let this play out because at the NHL level, size is a very important factor. And Zach's not a big guy, but he's shown that he can play. He's shown he's got high IQ, and it was nice to see that he showed uh, the offensive production last year in Omaha. Yeah,
2: that was actually my follow-up question about his size. you think that he could... Uh
3: possibly become a free agent of the NHL? Well, they're all free agents with the exception of uh, Simon, who's drafted Mm -hmm. um, right now. And and in a lot of ways, it's a better path and scenario to have and to take. And it's simple negotiation. Would you rather have one team negotiating for you or 32? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so I think it's great that, uh, you know, we try to fill up their bucket. Uh, We know that their, their dream is to play pro hockey in the National Hockey League. But the easiest way to make that become a reality is to be successful here. And uh, Zach's off to a great start in his first year, which unfortunately ended due to injury, but Mm -hmm. had a great last year in Omaha, and uh, we're expecting great things from him.
2: Yeah, it sounds like he's got a good future for him. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. we're excited to see him back here. Um, What did you think about the other players that returned to junior hockey in, in their seasons?
3: Well, so much has happened, Stephen, that I got to think of who they are. Like, Shrifles, I was really happy mm-hmm. with with yeah. his, um, you know, development another year. Um, who, else, who else was there?
0: Uh, I think Jack Brackett, right?
3: Uh, Jack Brackett went. Hi- he ended up, you know, only playing part of the year. But um, his speed is electric. But so that, again, another year, I haven't yet seen a player take another year and get worse. <laughs> um, so th- right. they're such good kids. They work hard. They're not kids, they're such good young men who work hard and focus on their game. And I think all of them benefited, benefited from it, um, from the opportunity to play.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, it definitely helps just getting more experience and it probably was helpful, you know, even though uh, Jack Brackett got injured pretty early on and didn't get the full experience. Uh, it's definitely better to be Know, on a junior team, developing, playing games, than than to not be. Um, but on that topic, there were other players that were still eligible for juniors that didn't go back. Was there a reason for that, or was that just due to the lack of spots available?
3: I think I think both. Again, not not trying to I- single anyone out. Right. I know there was those opportunities that some guys said, "Hey, I just want to." Um, we had a couple surgeries. A couple guys had surgeries. A um, couple guys wanted to focus on school and. A couple guys just didn't want to go back to junior, and a couple guys had challenges finding spots. So when you put all those things together, I think the right guys, uh, the guys that were able to went and played, and I don't think anybody was forced into something they didn't decide on their own.
1: Yeah, and you said um, (coughs) you've never seen anyone do worse from an extra season, but, of course, injury is always a a risk if you're playing. So um, probably in their heads as well don't want to get injured playing junior yeah but that's
3: not that way. the way that uh athletes go at it right okay <laughs> it's just um they might think about it but when you throw that puck down or whether baseball whatever the sport is it's like it we're, we're competing because we love competing and um i think you're more apt to get injured if you're trying not to and mm-hmm. our guys went after it i know they had all of them played hard and talking with their coaches throughout that year. They all loved the way they competed. So um wanted to avoid injuries, and for the most part they did, but uh, all of them came back healthy, which was yep. important to me.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome to hear. Uh, how were the players that didn't have a team to play on continue to work on their development um, at home or here if they were here?
3: Yeah, so um, all of them left. There was nobody here. There were some here for a short time, I know John Beaton, interestingly enough, was uh, in the dorms early, and somewhere up behind ECAV, there's a pond that was frozen over, and he was walking up there and playing outside <laughs> pond hockey. You guys might see a nod in your head. I don't know if yeah. you know where mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, no, I,
0: I don't think it was behind ECAB, but I went to, there's, uh, what's the lake called? There's yeah. one, it's out by um, the end of Tibbetts. It's like near South Lake Avenue in Tibbetts. Yeah, he walked uh, there
3: from campus, so. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: is that yeah. the one he went to? I don't know. Uh, okay.
1: Somewhere
3: he walked from campus. Th- there, there are a couple of good
1: ponds around yeah. Troy. Yeah, yeah. So
3: those guys that were here did what they could, um, but they weren't here the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, most of these guys, again, they're very committed elite hockey players that have skills coaches and strength coaches and organized skates in their own hometown. Or I know that um, you know one guy went from, from his town and spent some time in Colorado with Mason Cleek. Mason's Clee, Mason Clee helped coach a team. So they all found a, a different path and they all came back in great shape. Again, we, that was our goal, come back, make sure that you don't have to reintroduce everybody, um, that our culture was strong, but they were physically fit and ready to go. And that, that goal was accomplished. All right,
0: well, we're glad to hear that they were able to you know, come back in shape and continue to work on their development and each in their own ways. I, I think it's pretty cool that they all did different things, whether it was coaching, playing on the pond, you know, There's a shows there's a lot of different ways to continue work to work on your game, I think. Um, so moving on to a different topic, this off-season had many coaching changes for your staff. Coach Mosier was hired as an assistant coach at UVM, and Matthias Lange was promoted from director of hockey ops to replace him. Is it a big blow to the program to lose Coach Mosier?
3: Um, the answer, the simple answer to the question is yes, because Scott's terrific. I mean, he's a bright young up-and-coming coach who has a terrific rapport with everybody he comes in contact with from players recruits fellow staff fellow competitors to administrators he's just he's a wonderful human i've been with scott since he was 16 or 17 years old we recruited him out of double a hockey in buffalo he's just a special kid special young man now um coached him he was a captain for me at canisius he coached with me at Canisius. I brought him here to RPI, and I had a hand in him going. the The coach at Vermont is a good friend, and I told him, I said, this, this "Scott's a great coach, and if Scott thinks it's best for Scott's career to go, then I'll absolutely do what I can to help him get what he wants." And um, at the same time, you know, we hang on to Coach Weber, who's, you know, one of the best assistant or associate coaches in college hockey. His resume, in my opinion, is unmatched um, with most I- with assistant coaches. Um, and I'm sure there's somebody who could challenge that, but he's, mm-hmm. he's terrific. You know, two-time champion in the East Coast League, head coach in the American League for multiple years, head coach in the KHL, head coach in the European League. Um, so we, we maintain that chemistry. And to move Coach Lang up um, into a full-time assistant coach's position was the plan for Matthias. He didn't know whether that would be one year, two years, five years, um, but he played here. He has a passion for this, and he's a very bright young coach as well who uh, has already made a positive impact on our team. And um, I don't know if we've done a, a press release on it yet, but Ryan Michael has recently been hired as our director of hockey operations, and that's a terrific hire. He's coming. He was a head coach in the Southern Pro League. He played college hockey. He played pro hockey. and Um, you know, wants to make his mark as a video coach. So I I really like our staff um, and think we're, you know, poised to make our guys better, which we have to do here.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I like to hear those answers. I'm just chuckling because those were a couple of my follow-ups, but I'll ask you to go a bit more- Keep jumping ahead on you guys. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll ask you to go a bit more in depth. So speaking about Coach Lange, what do you like about him as an assistant and what strengths do you think he brings to the position?
3: Yeah, I think at the top of the list, uh, we need to mention that he played at RPI. Mm -hmm. And and we know that, but he's passionate about this place. And he believes, the same as the rest of our staff believes, that we can be really good. We can be really good here, and we can sustain success without noise and distractions coming in our way. So um, technically, he's a goaltender, um, played 10 years of pro, played in the Olympics. He's got experiences that can, um, you know, our players want to live those so he can share those experiences with our current players. And he's seen, you know, he, he's got a master's and a PhD in, in watching hockey, and goaltenders have a different perspective. And uh, so his ability to see the game a little bit differently, I think, complements our staff. Um, we know that his his family values and his commitment, discipline, and integrity are, are top-notch, which makes him a good fit in our program um, so he'll run the penalty kill he'll have a hand in skill development um, he'll work with the forwards uh, chuck will work with the d and again we we share responsibilities a lot but those will be his his primary uh responsibilities
0: awesome yeah i was talking i was talking to uh, Otto auto vile lepinen at hockey line this sunday and he said that that first and foremost uh coach lange is an amazing person who Connects with people at a very high level, and that everyone in the room loves him. And I think you know that's obviously most important. And it's great to hear that from the team that that uh, they just think so fondly of him.
3: Yeah, he he has he's, he's so intelligent and he understands people. And um, it's great to hear that uh, Ovi said that to you. And and I know we feel that up in our offices. He just he's just much like Scott was, much like Chuck is. Uh, much like ryan is it's good people and that's important to have in our program
0: it definitely is so ryan michelle was hired to fill the void as director of director of hockey ops after matias moved up uh but for the other position on the staff i don't think i've seen anything about a grad assistant or volunteer assistant coach what's the status of that position
3: so currently uh graduate assistant coach we have the the I have to think about how to say this um, funny and correct. So the the, <laughs> the the former mayor of RPI hockey, <laughs> so Jake Morello, is our graduate assistant right, coach. Right, right. Um, oh, so awesome. he is he is back with us as he finishes his um, his MBA, um, and we do not currently have a volunteer coach. Um, we've got a, had a few feelers out there, but uh, uh, as of yet, nothing has come to fruition, and not sure if it will or not. Um, if it doesn't. That's okay. If it does, it's because it's the right person and the right fit for our staff.
0: Mm, yeah, I I like that uh, you're not going to just make a hire. To make a hire, you're only going to do it if you think it's the right person who's going to fit in well with the program.
3: Yeah, and we've been fortunate. A guy like Mike Lisi, who was our volunteer a couple years ago, he leaves here, he goes to the Western Hockey League, he goes to the USHL. Now he's the head coach in the North American Hockey League. And um, that's the that's the path we want these uh, you know, young coaches to – say, hey, I can do that through RPI. I learned from my experiences. Nate Skidmore was our volunteer coach. He went to the North American League. Now he's an assistant coach at Williams College. And that's uh, exciting for them. And in a two-year span, Nate uh, has really climbed the ranks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so one thing I (coughs) mentioned earlier, kind of shifting gears here, one thing I mentioned before was the, uh, the changes to the NIL rules or name, image, and likeness rules. Um, so this means that it's now possible for collegiate sports players to earn money by endorsing products and services from companies. So what are your thoughts here? Um, and how do you think these changes will affect recruiting, our program, and college hockey as a whole?
3: Well, it's a big question. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm good with it. I think that the the players should be able to benefit from, I mean, we all own our own name, mm-hmm. our own image, and our own likeness. And Um, None of us as individuals and humans on the planet should be taken advantage of financially or have somebody else gain financially with our name, image, or likeness. So I'm very supportive of it. I also like the rule. I don't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to try and arrange it. Um, You know, If a player comes to me with an opportunity, (coughs) I ask him two questions and tell him one thing. I ask him, do you have an attorney to read the contract? you have an accountant to help you with the finances? And have you shared it with compliance? And that's that's my role. So um, I think it's, uh, you know, I think we have a little bit of an a, a illusion that it's going to make millionaires out of a lot of college athletes. <laughs> I think what it's going to do is it's going to, you know, be a few thousand dollars of spending money here and there. And I think as we get back to our winning ways and we we start you know raising the buzz here in the field house um i think some of our guys are going to have those opportunities um i hope they do because Mm -hmm. i think the community here is maybe a little bit scared of the millionaire price tag that's talked about yeah and it's existing in in maybe some of the big time sec or big 10 football but uh but here the ability to have a contract with with somebody local that recognizes the value of an RPI athlete, not just hockey. An RPI athlete, I think is uh, I think it's great and something that we could potentially benefit from down the line.
1: Yep, yep. Um, All right. Now, just one thing I'd like to highlight uh, is this weekend's exhibition game against our rivals. So, what things do you hope to gain from this exhibition game?
3: Well. See if my suit still fits. (laughs) Um, Not sure what I'm going to wear. Am I going to wear a jacket, a suit coat? You know, a lot of things happen a little differently for coaches, but our first priority is everyone is going to play. Everyone that's healthy will play in the game. And the criteria that I had, um, and I've shared this with the guys, is that yes, we're playing to win, but we've had a lot of guys that have had to sit out, whether it be um, you know, a year or half a year, everyone's going to play. We're one team. So we can still play to win, um, but everyone is going to play, and that's the first priority. So after that, we, we just need competition. We need uh, We need another jersey. We need some hatred. We need some urgency and accountability to our game that doesn't happen in summer hockey. And we try to create it in practice. But... You make a mistake in practice, you know, they don't put it up on the scoreboard. You make a mistake in the game; it might put it up on the scoreboard. So, watching how guys develop and respond and react to those types of adversity is really important for us. And um, I think you need adversity to grow, and you don't want to create it. But we know it's coming because mm-hmm. we're playing uh, another team, let alone a crosstown rival.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so going on with those external pressures, actually, the, the coaches pull. As us and Union tied um, in the rankings, and and so uh, really does shine a light on the rivalry, kind of. So, do you do you hope to use that to generate some team energy and get the new guys well acquainted with our team culture and our team history?
3: Yeah. So we've been at this, you know, for a long time about the culture and chemistry that we have, and we set our own expectations. Uh, I think the coaches poll is nearly impossible to figure out how people vote and. Where do we get information? And the reality is that I expect most coaches are doing what I'm doing, and you sort of just pay attention very little to the other teams. And then you look and say, all right, who played last year? Who's been in the news in a positive way? Who's been in the news maybe in a negative way? And you just throw your vote down. And um, I know we talked a little bit before offline about it, but uh, I, I'm okay with where they pick us. It's, it's a spot and no one's played a game, so let's check back in and after 22 league games mm-hmm. we'll see where we're at. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah, uh, I think, um, you know, I know we also talked about this before, but I think there's a very high chance that, that we're higher than eighth at the end of the year, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was even much higher. Um, but sticking with the exhibition game, are there any players on the team that you're particularly excited to see on the ice playing in a competitive game? Especially since it's been a little while for a lot of guys.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, everybody. I mean, <laughs> I I could almost go across the roster and like Tour Linden looks great. Nick Bowman looks great. Nick Bowman's filling the net in practice. Looks great. Justin Adamo is so so big at you know six six two fifty. Um, that's a nice element. Anthony Baxter's smart and responsible and competitive back there um, with his experience. Our two young defensemen, Surtee and Davies, are, you know, I think they've got special feet and and length that, that we like. Um, I mean, Jack Brackett's going to be one of the fastest guys in college hockey. I mean, Henry Schreifels looks like he's going to be a dynamite college hockey player. I mean, Dubinsky, we've talked about. You know, I, I the list is long. I, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm so yeah. excited. I don't think I can name everybody, but uh, I, I almost did. <laughs> about
0: yeah Mm -hmm. but that's a good thing you know if all these guys are playing so well in practice you know it just creates more depth and it creates you know a very competitive team with all the talent
3: yeah our biggest challenge is is numbers you know we, we would probably prefer a roster of 27 or 28 and we're at 30 um so it's important that our culture and our chemistry is strong and our communication is very clear with these guys but um really am, am, am proud of what our leadership group has done, and I like what our guys have brought to the table here in the early going and ready to play a game. With the
2: big game being this Saturday, is there any last-minute improvements that we need to do in practice to be ready for it?
3: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if we're doing our job as coaches, we're last-minute improvements every single day. Mm-hmm. So this week, and the way the rules are, we're still only four hours a week with our guys on the ice. Um, so tomorrow, actually Thursday, is a day off. Um, now, they can they can come out and skate if they want. It's totally up to them if they choose to. But they can, they can get better by resting. They can get better by just recharging. And we'll have a plan in place for when we hit the ice on Friday. And whether it be stretching beforehand or everything is designed so that we continue the upward arc to use uh steal someone else's term, um but that upward trajectory is so important that um you know we want to get better every day right now, you know our power play was awesome today, which means the penalty kill wasn't as good <laughs> right yeah, so two days ago the penalty kill was awesome, <laughs> you know what the story goes right so um we'll see we 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 need another team, we need referees, we need adversity, we need uh to learn to respond as a group thinking as one.
1: Yeah, and hopefully uh, us, the the fans, can provide some uh, encouragement on Saturday. We'll, we'll, we're trying to get a, a gang out there and kind of pack the house and get the field house environment uh, away at Union. So we'll, we'll see what we can do there from the stands.
3: That would be terrific. Yeah, yeah
0: we, we definitely, we can't wait to see this team on the ice Saturday. Uh, Red Army will be in, Schenectady for the game in sections eight and nine, uh, cheering the team on. Uh, so for any RPI fans that are coming to the game, make sure you buy your tickets for those sections, because those are the sections that RPI fans usually take over in Schenectady. Uh, and yeah, let's make the game look and sound like it's at the Houston Houston Fieldhouse instead of at Union. Uh, Coach Smith, we thank you for your time. As always, it's awesome to be back here with you again, and we can't can't wait for the season to start and see how the team's doing and progressing
3: well and and for those that are new to the podcast listening um, red army is important to the history and tradition of rpi hockey and um, we hear it from recruits we hear that we hear the chance it makes it a special environment and to be able to do the podcast and the time and the energy that you guys put in and the preparation behind the scenes and all of those things um, make a difference for our program. And looking forward to, to having this chat with you guys on a regular basis. Yep. Cool.